Hey everybody, thanks for tuning in to uh, Edgy TSOL episode 3. Um, we had some issues with the microphones this week, and so um, I apologize for the um, uh, really crappy, we blew, <laughs> kept blowing out the uh, the microphone, the the levels on the, on the mic, because uh, I wasn't sure how to adjust them. So um, it might be a little difficult to get all the way through, so I don't blame you if you don't listen to the whole thing, but about halfway through, uh, I, it gets a little better. So next week, I promise we'll have it under control. And, uh, while I'm here and saying it, um, then talking to you, I just want to send out a quick thanks to, uh, Mike Blasco or over at, uh, podcastthemes.com for supplying our podcast theme. So check out our show notes, um, do your best listen to the show otherwise uh, we'll be back next week when we delve into the actual um the actual uh, bits and pieces of uh theory and and classroom activities and what we do and what you should do and what you do and all of that stuff so without further ado slap this into auto and uh here's show number three for edgy t-saw Education Tesla Podcast, show number three. Hey everybody, welcome back to the show. Um, hopefully you can tell we got some new microphones in, so uh, with luck you'll have a little bit uh, We sound professional, though we really aren't. Yeah, everybody knows. So, um, so today we got a couple of things up on the list. Uh, we're going to be, oh, uh, first, first thing before we get into anything else, um, we need to let you guys know that this will probably be the last big, uh, what, lifestyles. Exactly. The, the general, the uh, I'm, I'm getting so tired of doing the ESL, EFL, TESOL thing. I'm just going to keep saying ESL. And for those of you out there, just know that this incorporates E, uh, English for academic purposes, English for foreign languages. All of your favorite languages. letters of the alphabet. Exactly. Hey, you got a pen? I got, yeah, hold on. You do? Sweet. Thanks. See, this is professional. <laughs> Sounds right, so, beautiful. Yes. Uh, yes, we have our brand new microphones. I am so excited about it. Now it'll take three weeks to freaking tune them in, but... Today's podcast is brought to you by the Kansai Gaidai Budget Fund. <laughs> yeah, my research fund. Um, anyway, uh, what was I saying? Oh, yes, today is uh, probably the last of the major of the lifestyle um, episodes that we're going to do, shows that we're going to do. Um, so for those of you who have specific questions about what do you do when and uh, stuff like that, unless it tickles our fancy, we're probably not going to hit it again. So... Um, yeah, the, the first three were basically if you're interested in the field and getting into the field, but we are going to deviate from that path and go into what works in the classroom. Yeah. And it's mostly going to be post-secondary and, um, well, secondary and post-secondary classrooms. Yeah, so we're going to be talking about what we do here at the university. Um, we're going to be talking about uh, current uh, theory in TSL or in TESOL or in English teaching in general. We're going to be talking about um, what people here are doing, what people here are into, what kind of research they're doing. Um, within the next couple of weeks, uh, I have pinned down 
one of the guys here to talk with us about extensive reading, which will be interesting. We can get a couple guys actually for that yeah. one. So we're going to spread it around and uh, have a little, maybe not such a debate, but at least a little discussion about what's going on in that. Um, all right. Hey, sweet. We have our little figurines, a big fat guy and a little pig. So here we go. Uh, like I said, today is going to be the last one for the uh, what we do and uh, lifestyle-ish stuff. So let's get the rest of that out of the way. And then uh, probably from next week, we'll be moving on to uh, theory and practice and all that good stuff. Groovy. Rock on. Cool. Okay, uh, we're going to hit hot spots around the world in ESL teaching. And we're going to start first in Asia. And the, the two main places that uh, are really big right now, Korea and Japan, and they yep. have always been really big. Yep, yep, yep. Um, I've, I've heard Hong Kong is moving up uh, Definitely. fairly well, but... Uh, all of China for that all matter. All of China for that matter, yeah, yeah. But we'll break it down. Uh, Japan is dollar for dollar the best money that you'll find in ESL teaching in Asia. Mm -hmm. Of course, it is the most expensive place to live. Right. But still. Yeah, by and far, by far, the most expensive place to live. So when you were, what was? Do you remember what the average income was when you were in uh, Korea? It was. It all depends regular on regular Joe Schmo not teaching English. Um. Oh. No. No. Okay. No well, clue. how about how, let's do let's do the McDonald's comparison. How much did a big like a Big Mac set Ooh. value meal cost? Do you remember? Probably around three dollars, maybe four dollars at that time. Okay. So in here, that was what ninety eight, ninety nine, ninety five, ninety five, ninety six. Okay. So I came to Japan first time in ninety, well, summer of ninety five, ninety six. It's been ninety six, and uh, it was about six bucks here. Okay. For Big Mac fries and a Coke. So, uh, yeah, that's about right. And which is. Uh, Korea now is moving up and it's um, pretty much comparable to Japan, mm -hmm. uh, living cost wise. It's been ranked like usually Tokyo and Osaka are one, top five yeah. anyway. And now Seoul and um, Puchan, Pusan and. Um, are in probably top ten. Oh no kidding. Yeah, it's it's expensive there. Well. But the good thing or the bad thing, depending on where you're living, good thing in Korea the Wan has dropped back down to what it was when I first got there. Uh oh, really? So, yeah, so you're making if if you're taking the money back to the States, you're making good money. You can save a lot. Oh that sounds good. That sounds better. Yeah. Yeah, I'm making adjustments on the fly here, so I apologize for uh, any weird weirdness you get may get in the sound of it. It looked like we were pinning up on it, so, okay. University-wise, though, Japan pays a lot better than uh, most Korea places, mm -hmm. Korean universities. Um, here, I don't have to worry about privates. There, I would have to pick up privates if I wanted to reach what I'm making now. Oh, really? Yeah, okay. yeah. which is one of the reasons why I came over to yeah. Japan. Yeah. It's, I mean, there's there's two schools of thoughts with uh, doing private lessons and stuff like that. I I'm done with it. Um, I'm not gonna do privates unless I absolutely have to. I'm, uh, I'm working enough. I have exactly. enough money. I'm I'm content. I don't don't need to bust my butt anymore. That's right. On it. So, 
Plus, added, added stress, added, you know, just prep and blah, 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 blah. blah. Travel time, up, they and it's they just... Pay, it's, they don't pay. We talked about it last time. You can yeah. listen to, to our ranting and raving and <laughs> moaning about it last time. <laughs> the uh, other big place, really, right now is the Middle East. And mm-hmm. you get a lot... Well, the money's about comparable, from what I hear. Mm-hmm. I haven't worked there. Um, but the benefits are just phenomenal. Mm-hmm. You mm-hmm. get when you uh, first go there, and of course I'm I'm talking about for university jobs. I don't know if they have a. I'm sure they do have an institute scene, but I have no clue about that. But university gigs, you get there and they give you a huge stipend to go out and buy furniture and appliances and anything you need in the apartment. If you continue working there for three years, all of that stuff's yours. Oh, no kidding. You you might have to pay to ship it home, right, but right. you have a fully furnished. If you go back home and buy a house or rent a place, you can fully furnish it with uh, free stuff. Nice. Exactly. Um, I've also heard benefits, and I can't verify the accuracy, but the people that told me were pretty trustworthy, mm-hmm. uh, that you work there long enough... They'll give you uh, basically interest-free loans for houses back in the States. No kidding. And, yeah, it's hard to believe, but... Everybody that I had always talked to was, uh, you know, it was was good good money to go because um, while, you know, it's not exactly risky, it's not exactly safe for Americans at this point, you know, with George and company um although you know even back when clinton was there i was never all that anxious to go hop on the plane and hit the middle east and do the teaching circuit there um so there's there's a trade-off but from what i understand the places that you go now uh uae dubai yeah those are the big ones um they're just they're perfectly safe for the most part just don't do anything stupid yeah, well, I mean, Dubai is that the majority of people are are foreigners, mm. and uh, over fifty one percent are international people from abroad. Oh, no, yeah, wow. And wow. so you have great tax benefits there, and and everything's there uh, is pretty good. And most people I know who work there end up going back. Oh, really? Yeah. Wow, wow. <clears throat> that's that's good. So that tells you something right there. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, if they're yeah if they're pulling people back, I mean we're the ESL teachers are a fairly finicky bunch, and if something rubs us the wrong way, man, you couldn't get us near it again. Exactly. You know, unless you offered us a lot of money. <laughs> then we're easy. Yeah. Um, going back to Japan and Korea, Japan the benefits are pretty good for university gigs. Yep. Um, we mentioned this before in our marathon first podcast. <laughs> uh, for our university, we get a refund allow uh, refund <laughs> a <laughs> research allowance mm-hmm. every year um, to apply to whatever we need in the classroom and out. I mean, you can't go buy a car or a chainsaw with it. Yeah. Okay. Well, maybe not maybe the car, the but uh, <laughs> but anyway, you get the, the goal is for you to use the things for classes or educational research or things like that. So you get a fairly generous budget, um, and the budget varies from school to school, as do the rules for what you can use for it. And 
rules for what you can keep. Uh, a buddy of mine was down in Nagasaki. He was able to keep any book under 50 bucks. So all he bought with his uh, with his Kenkyuhi was books under 50 bucks, <laughs> and then uh, spent a bunch of his money to uh, to send them all home. Right. So because uh, postage counts. Um, so you get that. Um, we mentioned this in the first podcast, but housing, mm-hmm. and that will depend on where you go and um, who you go there with. Yeah, yeah. But that's one of the big ones. Um, airfare is also uh, one of the many. Yeah, airfare is, airfare is a, uh, an important one. Um, the, the, rule, the general rule as far as Japan goes is uh, stay for three years, you get your return airfare. Um, I, I've heard that some schools go ahead and break that, and if you've been here for one year, you've been here for two years, occasionally they'll give you the cash. Um, or you know they'll they'll get you pay for your ticket back, um, but it's not guaranteed because in the contract it does state three years or more, as long as you leave the country. So who knows? For the best benefit of airfare, uh, Middle East, no one beats it. They give yeah. you return uh, airfare every single year yeah. to just go home and and relax and hang out and yep yep. yep. <clears throat> And they do that also uh, if you're traveling with a family for up to three dependents, maybe. No kidding. They also pay for, or they were up to a few years ago, uh, they would pay for up to two children in international schools, which can be a lot of money. Yeah, yeah, that's good. That's pretty good. So what about the rest of Asia and the rest of the world? Well, we have Eastern Europe, which is always popular, and uh, Southeast Asia, Thailand, Malaysia, Indonesia. And if you're a single guy or girl, um, if you're single, woman, lady, uh, those places are a lot of fun, but not a lot of money. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So be prepared. Well, what do you mean by not a lot of money? Not a lot of money you can save, not a lot of money you can take home. Not yes. a lot of money. <laughs> well, but living on the local economy, are you going to be? Uh, are you going to be living on an, like a pauper or what? No, you'll you'll have plenty of money to go out and uh, hang out with friends and enjoy life. But how about not, paying off that student loan? No, you, you can't. <laughs> I don't think you can really pay off the debts. Um, Thailand pays you maybe five hundred to a thousand dollars a month. Mm. Mm. Um, depending on the gig. One of the guys I was talking to who uh, taught in China, he said uh, they were paying him what, 100 bucks a month, but he was living maybe not like a king, but maybe perhaps a prince. Like a communist. Yeah. <laughs> um, High-ranking communist doing, official. Yeah, was doing very, very well, but there was no way, you know, he wasn't sending any money back, not on 100 bucks a month. Exactly. You go to those places for the experience and yeah. for, for just the... Um, learning new cultures Mm -hmm. and the same with eastern europe i mean you don't get paid well but when you can buy a nice large beer for 20 cents right yeah there's nothing to be argued about there exactly it's just you're not going to pay off loans or uh, save up a nest egg or anything like that no but you can say yeah i've been to bulgaria exactly i've been to poland and i drank there and i passed out out on that street (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> Lots of memories. It's, it's not everything, but it is a lot of stuff, it seems. <laughs> right. And, I mean, as for Western Europe, I have no clue because if you don't have an EU passport, 
you're going to have to just go there and uh, work under the table. Yeah, for uh, any Americans, uh, for any Americans, definitely, and Canadians probably. Uh, Canadians can get uh, the the working holiday visa. Um, the U.S. Uh, U.S. citizens are out of luck because we don't like foreigners. Exactly. And so we don't allow anybody to come in on a guest worker program. We don't allow anybody to go out on a guest worker program, which is, uh, in my opinion, a terrible shame. And funny thing, they don't they reciprocate that. Yes. Know? Yeah. Funny how that works. Go figure. Yeah. But uh, if you are a Canadian, then you can go hang out and work in the UK or in evidently probably most of the EU or Australia for sure. Right. Um, and uh, you might not be able to teach English that way, but you can go and check it out and earn enough money to pay for your vacation and stuff like that. For for the British citizens, UK citizens, um, you know, pack your bags, head out into the rest of the uh, the continent there. And uh, see what you can find. Get some choice gigs, I yeah. guess. Yeah. I, I don't think they're going to pay that well. My guess, my guess is you're not going to see any money unless you have the the letters, right? You know, the PH and the, the PH and the D and stuff like that. And and uh, my guess is probably you will not see the inside of the door unless you have an MA. Uh, I doubt very seriously if they're going to accept anything along the lines of a bachelor's degree. One of one of our teachers is um, moving to Madrid. Mm -hmm. And uh, she just got hired with, she got offered a couple of institute gigs mm. in Spain. And so that's the, the best she could find. No kidding. And now what we told you about institutes last couple of podcasts, I think doesn't apply to, to these places because the way that she was talking them up, uh, these sound very, very respectable, very uh, much professional development oriented. Really? And... Um, sound like really good jobs, but it'll be tough. It, it's going to be a lot of contact hours, mm -hmm. but she has a master's. Oh, there you go. And an EU passport, of course, so. Ah, that'll, that'll help. Exactly, but it's still an institute job. It's not yeah. university. Yeah, yeah. Um, one of our other colleagues is uh, heading off to Turkey. Actually, I think more than one. Uh, there's a couple of people from here already there. Um, I forget which city they're in, but um, they are not making a ton of money, but very, living very comfortable in the economy. Um, and most of them are at the point where they're not like paying off student loans, <clears throat> student loans or anything like that, but uh, are, you know, having a fairly happy-go-lucky, hanging out, looking at white buildings kind of life, you know. <laughs> um, and I think part of that is because uh, Turkey's not EU yet. Right. Um, you know, so keep an eye on that and what happens, and it might be entertaining to see what uh, interesting to watch what happens with Turkey over the years. Right now, it seems to be that that's the really popular place in uh, yeah wherever that is. And they they're always hiring <laughs> what the do universities you call that there. Area? Mediterranean. It's not Europe. It's not Asia. Yeah, it's, that it's that sounds good. Rural. Yeah, it's it's Mediterranean. Okay. Just go with that. Yeah, we don't teach geography here, so that's right. We don't know. What's next? Uh, so that's basically it for hotspots. Um, Antarctica's not really hiring that <laughs> I know of. Um, <laughs> you might be able to find something in Sweden. That's true. You never know. But, but again, that EU, EU passport, that's the way to go. Exactly. You occasionally, occasionally <laughs> see things in the Caribbean for those dreamers of, uh, out there, yeah. I being one of them. Some of them, I'm, I've heard things you can find stuff in Micronesia. And, uh, you know, Fiji and stuff like that. But, again, boy, you got to really be watching because that stuff goes 
fast. Yeah, Micronesia is always hiring. It seems like they're on the uh, Tissot website, mm -hmm. and uh, Guam occasionally. Um, College of Marshall Islands. Ooh. Fiji, I've, I've never seen. Yeah. But and the benefits are pretty good. They pay for two thousand pounds of shipping. Wow. Uh, there and back. For the Marshall Islands gig. Yeah, exactly. That's cool. And it might be twenty-four thousand uh, dollars. Those are. Is that a protectorate? That is a protectorate. So. Yeah, I, so Guam, it's a similar situation as Guam. Um, I, I, my advice, if you haven't visited Guam or the Marshall Islands before you accept the job, you're gonna want to go take a look and see. You make sure you know what you're getting into. Right, because the the teachers that I knew worked there said that uh, airfare to jump from island to island was pretty pricey. Really, and uh, you could take a few boats to the local islands, and I mean, the diving's great there, mm -hmm. and mm -hmm. uh, seafood is amazing. Yep. Well, the the thing that struck me, I went to visit went to to visit Guam, and you know I can't speak for the Marshall Islands, but um, with Guam, it's uh, if you grew up in a small town, you'd probably be all right with it, because you get used to Guam's not that big. No. You know, it's it, you have you know the the road that goes around the island, and a couple roads that crisscross back and forth, and uh, Guam actually breaks them out into a couple four lane highways uh, for a bit. But um, if you're used to a place like you know L.A., where you're you know driving for hours and you're still in the city, well, driving for hours will put you all the way around the island. And so you know it, we took a half a day drive and went from the main tourist area all the way back around, and then cut back across. And so in a day, and we were you know we were stopping and you know had lunch. Right. And in, in a full day, you you know. Putting it down, you can probably get all the way around the island. You'll see everything there is to see within three weeks. So unless you are not, unless you're comfortable with that, you know, pick and choose. But for those of you who um, might suffer culture shock, you have a Walmart, you have Taco Bell, you yep. have all the amenities. It's of... the U.S. Hello. <laughs> they can't hear it. <laughs> We just had a little disco music in our headphones. We don't know if you got it or not. Uh, pretty um, sure they did. Okay. Let's see. What else? Uh, so all, all the good things of home. I don't know if you have to pay. I'm pretty sure you'll probably have to pay American taxes there. They do have representation in Senate. But it's a non-voting. So actually, I'm not sure. I don't think they pay U.S. taxes. Okay. So you get the passport, though, if you're born there. Right. They're citizens, but uh, yeah, well, yeah something they, to no check representation, into, no taxation. So, so something to check into. Yeah, something to keep in mind. Um, it is an interesting. Uh, but you have good hospitals there, or yeah. better hospitals than in most of Asia. So yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, you're you're getting U.S. care, you're getting U.S. you know stuff. Exactly. So you know, um, it's got its pluses, it's got its minuses. What I'm all I'm really saying is, if you're from a big city and you can't handle little little towns you don't like camping or whatever then uh, you need to think twice exactly so a lot of hurricanes there too yeah yeah they get hit big time yeah. okay so that moves us into um we're going to go into state of affairs in the classroom in of asia in asia yeah um well in the classroom and also outside of the classroom since this is our last hoorah 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 a little ninja action for you. Boring. Yeah. All right. <laughs> uh, one and only cheesy sound. That's the last time you'll hear that. 
Okay, so you take it. All right, class sizes in Asia, in the university classroom. Uh, the vast, vast majority of universities in Japan are going to try to slap you with 35 to 40 students. High schools? Really? Yeah, yeah. This, where we are, uh, we're trying to keep the numbers around 25. Um, progressive, very, very progressive. Um, many, there are a couple other universities that are kind of copying this idea of, you know, shooting for 20 students per class, but usually ending up at 25 and occasionally 30. Nah, that's a new deal. Um, well, I know for high schools, that's 40, part of the, yeah, yeah, 40 is par for the course. Although with high schools, it's, it's, it's weird because you, there will be 40 kids in the class, but they'll split the class in two and you'll get group A on Monday and you'll get group B on Tuesday and then group A on Monday or if you're Wednesday, lucky. if you're lucky. But you can also be saddled with uh, 40 to 50 uh, students in a class. Yeah, yeah. I mean, at the foreign language high school that I worked at, they would uh, divide it in half. So it would be uh, 25 to 28 students mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Uh, when I would meet with them. Yeah, yeah. Um, when uh, yeah, for the most part, when I was teaching high when I was teaching in a high school here, it was you know forty kids in the class and twenty. I saw twenty a day, you know, twenty yeah. each for each class. And then it's then there were one or two classes where we'd do everybody, but by and large, it was you know the other way. Uh, yeah. So universities here, yeah, you know, for the most part, you're going to be dealing with. Uh, Anywhere from, you can reason, reasonably expect anywhere from 25 to 45, um, probably closest to between 35 and 40, and uh, you never know, you might end up with that 80-person class, Right. depending on you know, what you're teaching, what the philosophy of the school is. Um, when you're getting ready to get the contract, please ask, you know, what kind of classes am I teaching? What are they going to, the class size is going to be, when is the last time students can have the class, when is the last time students are going to drop the class, um, because when you don't usually think about it going in, but that drops in ads period um, can be a real pain in the butt, because for some universities it'll go up until almost the middle of the semester, and kids can still add your class while they've missed, you know, four or five assignments that you're not allowed to count against them, and you can't require them to make it up because right. they weren't there, and you know, all sorts of stuff, so... Um, yeah. <laughs> end of rant. Uh, end of rant. All right. Um, I had something else about class size, but uh, it slipped my mind. Uh, I think most of the institution stuff here is, uh, I don't know, man. One of the companies here is doing TV classes. And so I don't know how they, I don't know how they're doing that. I don't know if it's like a certain number per, per class or what their deal is. Um, Oh, that's what I want to get into. Uh, not necessarily class sizes, but the class mentality mm. of the students. And I had a tough time last year in Japan. Uh, coming in from Korea, Korea, the kids um, have really good attitudes. I mean, English is kind of the new religion there, or has been the new religion there for the past decade now. So they're really into English uh, for the most part. Of course, you find those students that drag their feet or don't really want to take the required courses. But overall, th their attitudes are pretty good. And even if they don't have the skills, they have the desire to try to get the skills. And this year, I have great, great classes. Uh, but they're all 
intermediate to upper intermediate. So the kids have a really strong desire. Well, okay. They have a good desire mm -hmm. to learn and uh, willing to do the work. Whereas last year I had the lower level classes and yeah, maybe they wanted to learn English or maybe they just, who knows, but uh, they came to class and uh, for the most part, they did the work, but they weren't that enthusiastic. Mm -hmm. And for me, uh, I get my energy from the students. And if they're putting out the energy, then I can uh, usually double that. If there's no energy, they just suck the life out of me. Yeah, yeah, that's that's yeah, that can be. Um, this is something that you hear a lot. You know, student attitude. Um, something that you hear a lot from teachers. You know, it's like, oh, these students suck, or these students have poor attitude or these students can't do anything. I hate, you know, I hate these students, whatever. Um, what a lot of people who have been overseas for a while forget is uh, what they did in university. Yeah. Now, I'm not talking specifically about your stuff, but I'm talking about just the general idea of, you know, going to university to learn. Um, when I was in college, I did everything within my power to not do any work. Well, if all my children had a good episode that day or just was on television that day, yeah, I might not yeah, go to class. You know, General Hospital, you know, Luke and Laura, forget about it. I you know much more interesting than that calculus class. And so um, what people tend to forget is that, you know, even, even you know, a university student is a university student. You're going to find the, the cream of the crop that, you know, the top 10%, the geeks, <laughs> who don't have anything else to do and they're there to study and learn only and then you'll have the 90 percent you know 90 percent 80 percent in the middle who are you know very from really interested and do the work to not terribly interested and do most of the work and then you have you know the um dregs yeah <clears throat> the rest and uh you get the same thing here you'll have in almost any class, you have the one or two that, that really bust their butt and go out and do absolutely everything and a couple things more than even that you had thought of. You're like, oh, wow, I didn't even think about that. Good job, Johnny. <laughs> um, and uh, then you have the other ones who, you know, you have to threaten to take a brick to them to be able to get them to write their name. Right. <clears throat> and uh, so, you know, when you're, when you're here teaching, don't forget about where it is that you came from. And, uh, you know, what did you do in high, in, in high school, high school, university, whatever? Um, also be prepared, though, uh, if you're coming to Japan and to some extent to Korea uh, also. Club activities are a big part. Even some would go as far as saying more important than actual studies yes, for yes. The, the kids. Yeah, and this is something that has changed, that is, is in the process of changing in Japan. Um, in the U.S., we use a very, a fairly easy to get in fairly difficult to get out idea with university. Um, you know, heck, Michigan State University, my alma mater, um, when I got in, it was, you know, they'd give you a mirror test. And if you passed it, you could get in. Now, so I hear some of you saying, well, mirror test? What's a mirror <laughs> test? Well, if you can fog a mirror, you can get in. And, uh, you know, but getting out, you know, they put you in a really difficult writing class and the difficult, you know, all the freshman washout classes. Yeah. And if you made it through those, you could stay. Here, it's different. It's kind of opposite. Here, it's the evil, evil test to get in. You got to study for, it's like taking the bar in the States. 
you got to study and study and study to pass this test. But once you get in, the tradition is you don't have to, you're not expected to do much. Right. Show up occasionally, you know, pass whatever exam the teacher's given. And maybe. Maybe. <laughs> maybe. And then walk out the door. Um, that That is changing, although some students still expect it no matter what. And uh, it doesn't matter if you're in a, in a low-level university or if you're in a high-level high national university. You're going to get kids that are, they, they studied their butt off and passed the test, and they decided they were done. Or you're going to get stu students who, who pass the test and are willing to continue to work. You know, it's, they're human. It also depends if you get uh, first-year students, second-year, third- or fourth-year um, Fourth-year students are really busy with trying to find jobs because trying to find jobs in Japan and in Korea hate that is difficult. Yeah, hate that. There's job hunting. I have another student come up to me and say, "I'm sorry, teacher. I'm not going to be in class on Monday because I got a job hunt. <laughs> going to have to hunt for a job really hard because you're not going to pass my class." Well, exactly. I was teaching uh, when I was teaching at uni in uh, Korea last year. I had or two years ago, I had a student. The first time I saw him was uh, at the midterm, and he was like, oh, I'm a senior, um, and I have a job. I was like, great. I hope it uh, pays for tuition next year because you're going <laughs> to come back. You'll be back. And he was like, I told him, if you come for the rest of the time and not absent and do all the work, you might pass. And the last time I saw him was uh, at the final and still trying to get a grade. I was like, but I won't graduate. I won't. Get, keep my job if I don't pass your class. I was like, well, you should have come. Yep. Yeah. So I, I failed them, but uh, you might get pressure from the administration. Absolutely. And and the one thing that they didn't tell uh, that they didn't tell us when we came in, and I found out about it later on. Even if you fail a student, even if you flat out fail them, um, the university has the option of giving them a, a makeup test to pass your class. Exactly. And they don't tell you, they don't show you the test, they just give it to the student, they proctor it, and then whoop, there they go. And we, we have no clue what this test is about. No. And, and the administration has no clue right. that uh, what we taught. What they taught, yeah, what was taught. And each the way <laughs> things work is each each teacher does something that's fairly different. So. You know, won't, you, you just no telling what they're going to be. So you can't have a universal test that yeah. covers every student from every teacher. Yeah, yeah. So, but you know, that's that's part of the deal for being here. They're going to a university gets students based on how well they place graduates, and uh, you know that's what separates big schools from little schools is how well they place their graduates, in a lot of cases. And as as long as I mean. There's nothing you can do about it. There's no sense even trying to rock the boat. Uh, as long as you do your job, be at peace with it. Yep, yep. You, you know, and that's really in the end. It's you know, come here, come into class, do your best for the kids that you have in front of you, and the rest of it will work itself out. You know, you can either stress out about it and pull your hair out and get old and die. Or you can relax and have a good time with the students and enjoy the, the time that you have. And not only get stressed, uh, get old and die, but get bad marks against you with the administration and possibly not be offered that contract next year. Yep. yep. So be careful about that.
Yep. Careful who you piss off. Exactly. All right. Uh, which brings us to Benny's. Benny's, Benny's, benefits. What do you get? Well, we, we talked about this uh, with the hotspots in some yep. parts um, and, and in the past uh, podcast. But yep. housing's usually a given, uh, maybe not in Japan. Um, housing in Japan is usually subsidized. It's not, uh, not generally free, um, but, you know, you're going to be paying much, a fair amount under market value for whatever it is that uh, you're going to be living in. Uh, moving allowance in Japan, we got maybe what six hundred to eight hundred dollars to yeah. ship things over. Yeah. Um, you can be smart about how you shipped it. I was stupid with my books. Uh, they have M bags, which mm -hmm. is really, really bulk mail, uh, cheap to mail. I just shipped it surface. Mm. I didn't even know about that. Um, be careful. I mean, look into it. I saw shipping a lot of stuff surface is the same price as just paying for an extra bag on the airplane, which is about yeah, 100 bucks. a hundred bucks. Yeah. Now it's probably uh, the airplanes more because they, they dropped it down to 50 pounds, uh, even from to and from the U.S. Yeah, that hurt last time. Um, and the last one really to get into is health insurance. Yeah. And depending on where you go, um, Korea and Japan both have national health care. Yes. And uh, it pays for roughly 70 to 80 percent. Yeah. Um, there's you know, there's always a little bit of debate on whether people should join national health insurance. Now, the thing with national health insurance in Japan is once you're in, you can't get out. Um, you can't just say, all right, well, this year I'm going to enroll in national health insurance. Once you're on the national health insurance roll, unless you leave the country for an extended period of time, no visa. Um, <clears throat> you're there forever. You can't get out even if you want to. And uh, national health insurance uh, fees are determined on your previous year, year and a half, or two-year income. So the first year that you're there, it's it's dirt cheap. Yeah, it's uh, basically free. And the, Even the, the second year... It's still cheap. It's the third year and fourth year that it starts getting yep. hidden hard. Yep, yep. And uh, it's worse, you know, more people you have covered by the health insurance, of course, the more it's going to cost. But I would hazard a guess to say it's still going to be radically cheaper than if you buy health insurance for the same number of people in the States because this is full coverage. You get dental, you get eye, you get ear, you get internal medicine, yeah. and uh, <clears throat> hospital stays, although I wouldn't recommend that. <laughs> But personal, I mean, personal thing, but yeah. And most things are cheaper as well. I, I had my wisdom tooth pulled out, and it was maybe uh, about $16, $17. Yeah. And that's on the operating table, shot full of Novocaine, and, and just enjoying life. Yeah, as far as dentistry goes, man, um, national health insurance is the way to go because I had, a, I had all of the fillings in my mouth replaced for, I mean, I couldn't have got an appointment at a dentist in the States for what I paid to have every, all the work done. All right. You know, the most I ever paid one single time was a time when I had one removed and uh, another one crowned. And I still walked out of there paying 50 bucks. And, you know, 50 bucks to set me in a chair in the States. So Exactly. Yeah. And um, a lot of people ask whether you should get supplemental insurance uh, from a company, a worldwide insurance if you're prone, accident prone, or a sickly person, it might be a good idea. Yeah. yeah. Um, 
otherwise, you're okay. I mean, even if you go back to the States, the Japanese healthcare, at least, uh, Korean, I don't think so, but Japanese healthcare will p cover your cost uh, in the States. They have paperwork, of course, yeah. for you to fill out, yeah. and you have to uh, front the money, but they will reimburse you. Yep. And I mean, it also depends on your level of comfort. So, you know, if you're, if you are comfortable with the level of care that you get in Japan, which in most places is just fine. Um, you know, there are some things that I won't have done here, like, for example, I don't know, knee surgery. I'm not going to have a major procedure done here where I can't speak to the doctor and know absolutely everything that's going on. Um, uh, you know, I'll, I'll bite the bullet and go back to the States so I, I know exactly what's happening. And healthcare um, overseas, I mean, in Korea and in Japan, it's a little different, whereas in the States, the doctor will take the time to explain everything to you, field any questions, where some, not all the doctors, I mean, I've found some really good doctors, mm -hmm. but uh, mm -hmm. some of them have the feeling that, well, if you do research on the web and you ask questions, well, then you don't need to come there because right. you just know everything, so heal yourself. Right, right. And it's kind of a slap in the face. But yeah, yeah. So, but in general, back to health insurance. Uh, health insurance is uh, is pretty reasonable overall, particularly if you're single. And uh, there you go. If if you're getting an uh, institute job, just be careful. My first institute job, the director just gave me his healthcare card. <laughs> he said, "Oh yeah, I get healthcare for everyone," but we never had our own cards or anything. It was just <laughs> using his. So, um, be careful about that. Yeah. Make sure to make sure it's legit. The only other thing really is uh, foreigner treatment. Yeah, and the, actually that last thing kind of falls right over into yeah. it. Um, some of the institute stuff is, you know, it's good, it's fine, it uh, can be fly-by-night, so you never know exactly what you're going to find. Oh, oh, oh so you mean just social? You well, mean totally social. <laughs> I had no idea. We're, we're just off the cuff here. Yeah. I mean, yeah, you have different treatments within the school and uh, outside of the school. Within the school, you will never be treated the same as the Japanese professors or teachers if you're in a high school. Uh, be prepared for that. And sometimes that's a blessing. Yeah, it's a, it's a, a double-edged sword. I mean, it's, it's good because, at least for the Japanese high schools in general, you're not going to be sitting through their weekly uh, two- and three-hour meetings um, where <laughs> half the Japanese bring books and sleep um, while somebody at the front drones on about something that nobody in the room, except for that person, happens to care about. Right. And um, he doesn't care that anyone else cares. Right. He just has to drone on about it. Yeah. Um, outside the, the classroom, outside the school, just daily life, you will always, well, in Asia, anyway, Japan and Korea, you will always have positive, beneficial foreigner treatment and uh, bad foreigner treatment. Yeah. And that yeah. just goes without saying. Yeah. Um, I mean, it's going to be... There, there are going to be places and times where you are special and above, and there are going to be places and times where you're special and below. And you will never get in the door. Yep. And, and generally what I tell people is don't stress about it. If they don't let you in the door, it's probably not someplace you should be. Or really want to be. Yeah, yeah. And, you know, um, you can... You can sit and fight and say, whoa, but it's, that's racist, that's blah, blah, blah. Well, you know, they saved you a couple thousand dollars, perhaps. Plus, <laughs> you know, whatever. The crap happens in the U.S. and everywhere else, so, mm -hmm. I mean, just...
just be realistic about that. Um, as far as the Middle East in Saudi, if you have a job there, I have no idea about yeah, the foreign treatment. No idea. Um, from what I heard from my friends, um, most of the time you're on a compound and you're in mm. that compound, and that compound has swimming pool and maybe health club and market and everything else. Um, but a lot of people choose never to leave their little compound unless the company car picks them up to take them to the university or the business class mm -hmm. or whatever. How was it? You were you were overseas in Morocco. Yeah. Um, how was that? Um, it was different just because I was in a tiny little village, maybe 4,000 people. Okay. And um, most of the people were employed by the university, so they had to kind of be happy with us. Uh-huh. Um, and also, if you're in a Muslim country, you'll be there. There's different foreign treatment for men and for women. Mm -hmm. um, biggest complaint from the female teachers: it would be hard for them to sit outside at cafes or for um, spouses of teachers. Yeah. Um, they'd feel maybe uncomfortable because there'd only be men at the cafes uh -huh. um, where we were. Um, even in in the big towns like uh, Fez, mm -hmm. um, maybe Marrakesh. And Rabat, it was a little different because those are um, more international. But Traveler towns. Exactly. Yeah. So it all depends. But all right. right. Well, that basically covers everything we have today. So rock and roll. I hear the music, and uh, we're pushing up here on uh, 45 minutes. So let's give the last little uh, bits of information. My name is Scott. My email is scott at e-d-g-y-c-a-t-i-o-n dot org. Scott at education dot org. And my name is also Scott. Uh, you can get me at Scott Duarte, S-C-O-T-T-D-U-A-R-T-E at education dot org. Uh, Scott Duarte is all one word, no spaces, all lowercase. Beauty. So thank you very much for listening and uh next week we're going to be moving on to more topics and if uh you got a question let us know take it easy y'all peace okay folks so that was the that was the episode sorry about the buzz in the voices and um we'll see y'all next week have a good one bye